0: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Dan Beckett, here with co-host Rev. Michelle Jelinch. Today, we'll share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey.
1: Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Today's show is titled Balancing Self and Other. The fifth tradition tells us that each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message, to the alcoholic or addict who still suffers. When we first get into recovery, we learn we need to focus on ourselves in order to heal and grow. But we quickly find that being of service to others is an essential part of our own healing. Today, we'd like to share our experience, strength and hope on balancing self and other in a healthy way as an ongoing part of a successful recovery journey.
1: So we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of what that self-centeredness looked like for us uh, in in our active addiction or in early recovery. And then we'll move into the solution of um, utilizing the power of wisdom. After the break, we'll share exactly how the power of wisdom helped us to move from that self-centeredness to a more balanced life. So Dan, tell us... A little bit about what self-centeredness looks like for you.
0: Tell tell everyone how self-centered I am. (laughs) I could do that. We joke before I when I I make notes, I put was slash am, you know, (laughs) just to acknowledge uh, keep keep things uh, on the plane of reality. You know, when I think about that, I quickly realize, and and there's a, a great phrase. From the recovery literature, we're driven by a hundred forms of fear. And that's where my mind goes instantly. When I think about the ways that I was uh, self-centered, the ways that I still can be self-centered, inevitably, there's a fear now that I can identify that sits underneath that. And so if I find myself um, in a place where I feel like, gosh, you know, I'm I'm talking about myself when I, I really should be. Focusing on the other person, you know that what i'm what I'm thinking I'll put in this email or whatever is not really relevant. I don't need to talk about myself there. I just need to uh witness someone else's experience inevitably there's some fear or other that's underneath that you know well you know maybe they 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 won't you know they'll think I don't know something or that you know blah 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 it's just all this stupid stuff and i'll yeah. I'll share a little bit more specifically about those fears in a few minutes but that's what always comes to mind first the self-centeredness driven by a hundred forms of fear right now my mind goes to well what's what's the fear
1: yeah so i think it's somewhere in our literature that it says that selfishness and self-centeredness was at the root of all of our problems does that does that ring a bell yeah and so um and i of course we love these little um these little sayings and aphorisms i guess um and so the one that I like, and I know I've shared it before, is is to describe the, the combination of low self-esteem and self-centeredness that many of us addicts in recovery um, relate to is that we felt that we were the piece of garbage that the world revolved around. Yeah. And so I like that you talked about that the self-centeredness comes from fear, because You know, I want to say that for the most part, we're not bad people, right? We're not bad people. And that self-centeredness, that obsession with self, that over-focus on self comes for most of us, I think it's safe to say, not from arrogance or from not caring about other people. It's it's a coping mechanism that we developed to deal with the fear, the low self-esteem, the pain, you know, and so... um, like, I know for myself, I hate that about myself, first of all. I hate that I'm self-centered, but I know that my self-centeredness comes from, it. it's a survival technique. It, it came from me trying to survive the circumstances, specifically in my early childhood, but I um, I just want to differentiate that, that when we say self-centeredness, it's not like, oh, I'm the greatest thing. It's like, no, I'm a piece of crap. And that's why I have to focus on myself constantly so I can keep from screwing everything up, you know. And so it's kind of a real lethal combination of low self-esteem and self-centeredness.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see that. You know, one of the fears that comes to mind for me is um uh, of just not being safe in general. And I don't really even mean any particular kind of safety. I suppose uh, for me, it's more around psychological. um, You know, I'm not talking about like I'm going to die physically safe. It's just more, you know, feeling um, okay in myself. And so if I know that if I am for any reason um, not feeling safe in the world, by any definition of safe, then, you know, my mind is going to get hyper-focused on me. What's going on with me? What do I need? How can I get out of this? Um, Because that fear is sort of driving me there. And for whatever reason uh, in life, uh, without knowing it or even realizing it, um, you know, I developed a, a, a way of being in the world that was sort of rooted in uh you know fear of not being safe not being okay uh yes. and everything sort of stemmed from that and and i really had no idea and i had no other way of being it's not like i woke up each day and said oh i wonder if i'll just you know think about myself all day or right. or maybe i'll be of service to the world i had no idea i just woke up and there i was and there it was and everything's the same all the time and here i am You know, living uh, from an experience of fear without even realizing that that's what was happening.
1: Yes, I totally get it. You know, I think I've said many times that I believe that so many of us in recovery or so many of us in active addiction um, have trauma in our lives of some sort, and particularly trauma in childhood. And, you know, that trauma can look like a lot of different things. Lots of different types of circumstances that may or may not have been the fault of our caregivers or whatever, but various you know types of trauma that we've all experienced, and and so when you when you experience trauma as a child, that focus on self in order to survive is that is you know is a very natural reaction. Um, like you said, it's not like we wake up and say, oh, I'm going to think about myself all day long. It's like I have to think about myself constantly to keep myself safe. You know. And so I I really think that it's a very deeply ingrained coping mechanism that many of us have. And I know for myself, you know, many years in, it still takes a real concerted effort to not be thinking about myself all the time, because I'm still sometimes can be in that sort of trauma response mode.
0: Yeah, I know the feeling. I I don't know that it ever uh, goes away and I don't know that it needs to. uh, And as we'll... Be talking about later in the show. Of course, we we work to balance it with other things, not yeah. not eradicate it. You know, I learned somewhere along the line. Anything that I resist, it's like, well, I don't like that. I don't want to be that way. I'm I'm bringing it alive, right? Um, by doing that. Another another common fear for me. It's almost like there's a little menu with different flavors of fear on it. <laughs> um, another one that's on my uh, short list. Uh, Dan's greatest hits of fear is fear of not having enough. You know, somehow or other. Now, it could be enough time. It could be enough solitude, money, food, whatever. It it could be anything. But the general fear is, what if I don't have what I need? Yes. Um, you know, and it and often it'll show up as a, you know, something physical like a substance or a food or whatever. But it can be kind of a psychological thing, like what if what if I don't have enough. Um, you know, space, latitude, um, that I can't do what I want to do and not feel trapped and in all of that. And so a fear of not having enough is one of the primary ways that a fear shows up in me. And then, of course, the reaction is, well, what do I have to do to make sure I do have enough, which is completely self-centered? It's all about me. I'm not thinking about you. I'm thinking about how can I make sure I get what I need so that I can be okay in the world?
1: Exactly. I think that last part that you just said, that's it exactly. Um, What you're talking about is a lack mentality, right? Basically, from whatever trauma we experienced in early childhood, feeling like we weren't going to be okay, we weren't going to be safe, there wasn't going to be enough love, food, space, whatever it was. Um, And so that lack mentality gets ingrained in our thinking process. And there's a hypervigilance that comes with that right? That hypervigilance of always being on, you know, some part of us is always on alert. And so that's what we have to, you know, work, that's what I have to work to overcome in order to not continue operating like that all the time in the world. So yeah, those, those fears that, that self, that self-preservation and self-survival, you know, is kind of always at the top of our thinking process and um, it gets really ingrained. So to try to train ourselves to feel that we don't have to be in trauma response or survival mode all the time, you know, that's what it, takes for me to be able to stop thinking about myself constantly so that I can even begin to think about somebody else. And like I said at the beginning, it doesn't come from a place of, like, only wanting to think about myself or not caring about anyone. I care deeply for other people in my life, and I still have to make a really concerted effort to even think about them sometimes, (laughs) you know? I remember this one speaker I used to listen to a lot and she used to say, I may I may not be much, but I'm all I think about sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you
1: know, that's kinda it, right?
0: Yeah. And it's <laughs> exhausting too. It takes that's a tremendous exhausting. amount of energy to be always in a in a fear response.
1: That's right. Um that's you know, nice.
0: whether we realize that that's where we are or not. Uh another uh fear on my short list and and this one uh ties if you're a fan of the enneagram uh you may have heard me mention i'm an enneagram five and so fear of being incapable you know fear of being like helpless of not knowing how something works not knowing what to do not understanding things just anything that adds up to being feeling incapable um is a is a primary source of fear for me and so of course what i do is um Learn things, understand things, work to understand how things function so that I feel capable. Like I know how to do stuff because I know how this stuff works. And so uh, a whole bunch of energy then goes into um, learning how stuff works. Why? Because there's safety in it. And what does that have to do with other people? Nothing. You know, unless I can turn that around in service to others, then it actually becomes... Um a pretty big um asset but when when it's just a response to a fear of feeling incapable it's it's not really acting as an asset to me or or to anybody. It's just like you're saying a a response to whatever it was that went on in our lives that um you know might cause me to end up in that place, and I don't know what that is. But uh, so now that we know about this challenge of self-centeredness, and we've both confessed how self-centered we are, (laughs) what is the solution? Well, in Unity, as always, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles.
1: Yes, and our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, as we know, developed a set of 12 spiritual abilities that he called the 12 powers. These powers are a kind of spiritual toolbox that we draw from as we walk our recovery journey.
0: And one of the powers that can help us move forward is the power of wisdom, and that's what we want to focus on today. But what does this wisdom look like? What do we mean when we use that word, and, and how do I know if I'm using it or how I'm using it in my life? I know I am using it, but am I using it skillfully or not? And How can I become more skillful? in my use of wisdom. So, Michelle, when you think about the 12th power, specifically about the power of wisdom, what does that mean for you in your life?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'm going to steal your thunder here. <laughs> the definition, if we look this up in unity literature, of the power of wisdom is the power to discern, evaluate, and apply what you know. So, to me, the discernment is a really big Piece of it. Um, I like when we talk about spiritual discernment. It's kind of a fancy way of saying, how do we know what to do? How do we know what to do next? How do we know what the next right thing is? How do we know what the right choices are for us as sober people living in recovery? And that's a real real challenge that starts from the get-go. As soon as we get sober and we start making different decisions for ourselves, we've got to learn how to discern. And pre-recovery, my method of discernment was figuring it out myself. That was all I had on board. So that's what I had to do. Maybe I might ask other people's opinions and then get all confused. Um, but, you know, I didn't have any sense of um, seeking any kind of higher guidance. So the number one thing that the power of wisdom means for me now is always starting from that place of seeking higher guidance, whether I call that, and I do use various names in various contexts, whether that's God. My higher self, the divine mind, source. um, It's beginning from a place of seeking that wisdom first. So what that means to me is that there is a greater wisdom out there that I have access to. I don't contain all of it in my own human mind, but I can plug into it. I can plug into a higher wisdom, the wisdom of my higher self, of God. And I can use that to move forward with discernment and making choices and making decisions for myself.
0: You know, I also find that aspect of wisdom that we're calling discernment a particularly helpful way, way to look at it. And the concept of seeking spiritual guidance as a way to discern, you know, and I might, the discernment might be what is going on, The discernment might be what is my part in this, Mm -hmm. or I might be trying to discern, is there an action I need to take and or discern, well, what is that action? So it can operate on lots of lots of different levels. And um, I always remember a a verse from the book of James when I think about seeking spiritual guidance. And I also uh, my mind immediately moves to God as the source of wisdom, um, the divine idea of wisdom. Uh, Jesus uh, closely linked in uh, Greek philosophy to Sophia, the Greek word for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the, the verse I remember is from James um, chapter one, verse five. It says, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives mm-hmm. to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. I could use that as an affirmation. Because that yes. what that tells me is what I have learned to be true through many avenues, through many people and through many experiences, is that there is the source there is this source of wisdom that I call God, or, like you said, uh, higher power, higher self, what whatever it may be, and that I can uh, turn my focus and my attention toward that uh, in order to, as the verse is saying, ask so to speak, you know, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. So wisdom, my mind moves to discernment. Uh, how does that work? Well, primarily for me, it works by, uh, you know, seeking um, an experience of my higher power and experience of God.
1: Yes. Well, there you have it, folks. My Bible teacher whipping out the Bible verse like yeah. it ain't no thing, right? That was a good one. I like that. Yes. And so seeking God first in all things. And then the next step in that discernment is um, learning to make decisions from that place and learning to operate more and more from that place. Um, Learning to take that pause and be able to seek higher guidance before moving forward. Um, We're talking about self-centeredness today. So, you know, many of us, came in with that self-will run riot that our literature talks about. And so learning to um, slow down and not just do the first thing that occurs to me, (laughs) like you do, you know? Um, And taking that time for spiritual discernment, it's something that we have to learn. We have to practice it. It doesn't come naturally to folks like us. It probably doesn't come naturally to most folks, but um, we can learn it over time. We can get better and better at learning to plug into that source of higher wisdom. You know, another thing that uh, that power of wisdom means to me is that um, sometimes I don't know. I, I'm not going to know what the answer is. I'm not going to be able to discern. I'm not going to understand something. And that's where that piece of faith comes in. Um, I don't know, but God knows. And what that means to me is my human ego self doesn't know, but the higher mind of which I am a part does know. And so that's that letting go and letting God, that I don't have to know all things. I don't have to understand all things Um, I only need to know and that's that's a really tough one for me because, you know, part of trauma based response is wanting to get out in the future and make sure that you are, you know, uh, planning for every possibility and that you're seeing what's coming down the pike and you're ready to respond to it and everything. So that idea of um, staying in now and not getting out in the future. And okay, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I trust that there is a higher wisdom, a higher power that I've turned my life over to and that has got me. And it doesn't mean that I don't have to do anything, but it may mean that I don't do anything in that moment until more is revealed, until I have more discernment.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reminded that fear... Uh, creates a sense of urgency, yes. and that was uh, one of my very thoughts about wisdom is that if if I am practicing or coming from a place, or or I should say skillfully using the power of wisdom, then I don't need to hurry, right? I It's almost the opposite of the fear response, which is I do need to hurry because bad things are going to happen unless yes. I... You know, fill in the blank, get more of this, avoid that, blah, 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 whatever it might yeah. be. And so, uh, Wisdom, that discernment ability, if I'm using it well, allows me to realize, well, I don't necessarily have to hurry. Now, of course, we could all think of circumstances where it's good and right to hurry, but I don't need to hurry as a general way of living in this world. I I need to be able to do it when it's appropriate, but that's not, you know, 80, 90% of the time like I might have um, done before. So that's one thing that the power of wisdom means to me is that I can, uh, you know, breathe and I don't need to rush. You know, there's a very good chance that I don't need to rush. The, the circumstances where I actually would need to rush are pretty, not only are they few and far between, they're screamingly obvious. It's not like I'm going to accidentally uh, not hurry when I need to hurry. You know, trust me, I will know what to do if I need to hurry. Um, And so as long as that's not happening, it's fairly safe for me to conclude, you know what, I probably don't need to hurry right now. And so that's that's one way I think that wisdom shows up.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a whole wisdom in itself, just pausing, learning the sacred pause. I think what you said is really true, that most things can wait. There are very few things that need to be done right now in this moment um and so learning to take that pause take that time to discern to seek guidance before acting not just acting impulsively all the time i mean let's face it it's kind of more fun to act impulsively but it doesn't usually get us ultimately <laughs> where we want to be so it's like do i want fun or do i want ultimate peace and well-being now my answer to that might be different on any given day but right um You know, the other other piece of wisdom is that as we seek, as I seek a higher guidance, um, that that wisdom of the higher mind starts to become part of me and becomes what we often call intuition or inner knowing. And unity is really big on inner knowing. That's one of the things I really liked the best about unity when I first came in was I wasn't told what to believe. Um, I was explained certain things, but then I was told to go inside and check it out with my inner wisdom, with my inner knowing. How did that feel to me? And that honoring of my own intuition, my own wisdom, my own, well, basically my own divinity, that was something that really appealed to me because it meant that I could um, work things out myself and was not just blindly following what someone else was telling me. But it's been my experience that it takes some real time to learn to develop that and to discern what that intuition, what that inner knowing is. The reason that's hard for me is because um, I I have such a fear response that I can confuse my fear-based response with what I think is intuition. And so one of the ways that I've learned to discern a little bit, and I don't know if this would. Be, I hope this would be helpful for people. Is that when when it's coming from fear, it's typically not of God, right? Um, which probably means most of my thoughts are not <laughs> coming from God. A fear-based response is not of God, and so when trying to discern that inner voice, that still small voice, that nudge of God within. Um, that's one way that I can help to discern that is if it's very fearful. If when I think about it, my solar plexus clenches up. Um, I used to think that was intuition warning me about something. And then I learned that that was pretty much happening with everything. (laughs) And I thought, well, that can't be warning me about everything. Maybe that's just my general anxious response to things. And so, now I look for the response that is not fear-based, that doesn't make me contract and clench up, that feels more expansive and more open. And I can trust that that's probably coming from God.
0: Yeah, I, I like that a lot that, because it really does take time to discern and and that that's what we're talking about that's what wisdom is how how do i know if it's this or that how do i know if this is coming from god or coming from a place of fear well just like everything we practice but hold that thought uh because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation so please stay with us are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellenge. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind.
1: So prior to the break, we were discussing self-centeredness and what that looked like for us, that um, fear-based response of being overly concerned with ourselves at all times. And then we moved into talking about the 12 powers and the power of wisdom. We talked about wisdom being uh, spiritual discernment, the ability to discern uh, what that knowledge is we're receiving from the higher mind. So Dan, now that we know about our self-centeredness, what that looked like. And we know that the solution is the power of wisdom. How does that power of wisdom lead us to a more balanced life?
0: What comes to me first and and most broadly is that it gives me something other than fear to live from. You know, it, it opens up the power of choice. I've heard addiction defined or described as the lack of choice. And as we recover, we regain the power to choose. And so one of the primary ways that uh, wisdom helped me move out of um, self-centeredness to being more balanced is by giving me an an approach, you know, uh, something different, a different set of tools, um, something other than fear to be coming from uh, in my thinking. And, you know, we've already talked a little bit about, and I'm sure we will some more here today about Uh, practices, you know, um, uh, prayer practice, uh, uh, watching our breath, uh, just knowing enough to know that it's okay to take a pause, Mm -hmm. um, to let a little time pass, to literally relax our our bodies for just a moment, all these little things that can really add up and and be helpful. Um, So when I say something other than fear to live from, now I have a you know, an outlook, a higher power and a set of tools yeah. that I can rely on because that fear still comes up. It's not it's not that I'm trying to make it go away. Uh, it's that I'm trying to get to where that's not the only thing going on for me, right. that it's just a um, an experience that I have. And then I have choices of um, other ways to be and I can choose otherwise.
1: Yeah. Well, we've talked many times about um, recovery being a sort of selfish program, meaning that it's a time that we need to focus on ourselves and our recovery and healing, Um, and yet we also know that it's a program of service. And I would say that this is true of any spiritual path, really, not just 12-step recovery. It could be true of the unity spiritual path as well, um, that we have to find that balance between focus on ourselves and working on ourselves and what's happening within us, because we know that that's where change starts from, but we don't want to stay there forever, right? We also want to be able to get out of ourselves and be in service to others. And so folks in early recovery might, be navigating that situation of, you know, it can be really easy in early recovery to get caught up in a lot of service, being coffee person at, you know, three different meetings and chairing this meeting and being on this, you know, regional, whatever, and all these different things. And so that's where that power of wisdom and that discernment comes in where we need to just be aware. I think you you, um, mentioned sort of self-awareness and mindfulness, and I think that's a really big piece of it. I wasn't very mindful or self-aware when I was using, that's for sure. Um, It's something that I've had to really work at to become more mindful. And so being mindful of ourselves and our limits and not overextending ourselves, not, um, you know, discerning, "Am am I taking on too many service commitments? Because, okay, so there's a certain aspect, there's a certain way in which doing service gets us out of ourselves and that's good. We wanna get out of ourselves. We don't, we don't wanna be thinking about ourselves constantly. But then it crosses a line where we're using it to avoid ourselves. And who knows where that line is, right? That's a very fine line, and it's for each of us to discern. But that's where that mindfulness and that self-awareness comes in. What is my motivation in taking on this particular service commitment? Um, Am I really doing this to be of service, or is this, you know, something that keeps me from having to work on my fourth step, (laughs) you know, or something like that? And so it's a very delicate balance that we each have to learn to navigate. And we can use that power of wisdom and spiritual discernment to do that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great example of wisdom. It's that whole, oh, oh, I'm supposed to be doing my tax return. And so I'm super interested in cleaning my house. (laughs) All all of a sudden, just I really need to clean the house. So, So there's a circumstance where I am, you know, using an activity to avoid something that I have some fear around. And yeah, like you said, it's you know, one of the, one of the easiest ways I can avoid uh, doing my own inner work and and looking at myself is by either focusing on you and what you need to do and what your problems are, blah, blah, blah. We call that taking someone's inventory, right? Or by distracting myself with activities. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm doing this and I'm helping there and my recovery is going great. Well, it it is as as long as I'm doing my inner work. But if I am, sort of over volunteering, over committing in order to avoid my inner work, then, you know, not so much. And, and as you pointed out so well, there's a fine line there somewhere. And and how do we know if we've crossed it? The short answer is wisdom. I mean, we discern which side of that line there we're on. Of course, we can talk with trusted advisors, other people, program friends that kind of get how we're wired, um, to get some perspective on it. But at the end of the day, it's some expression of the divine idea of wisdom that helps us to know, uh, you know, is this right and healthy or is this sort of hiding and, and distracting, uh, sorts of behavior?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, I was talking in the last segment about that inner knowing, and um, my experience has been that it really takes time to be able to discern that inner knowing. But there's also a certain way in which I think that I know... I know some part of me knows the answer. It's just another part of me doesn't want that part of me to find out what the answer really is.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. I know the feeling.
1: There's all these parts of me. Now I'm starting to sound like multiple personality or something, but various aspects of myself. Um, yeah. And so uh, discerning what that. What that knowing is, what that knowing feels like, you know, is there some part of me that really knows the truth about this, why I'm doing this particular thing, or, or some part of me that really knows what's best for me, but maybe it's not the fun choice or it's not the choice that my ego wants to make. And, you know, this is a lifetime Um, job here. This is not something that we learn quickly. This is something we work on for the rest of our lives is being able to hear that still small voice and discern it from all of the other chatter that is constantly going on within. And it's not an easy thing to do. You know, um, we're talking about this balance, this balance between a program of working on ourselves and a program of being in service to others and you know that saying about putting your own oxygen mask on first like yeah. with your children or whatever and so that that really that really holds true that we must do our own inner work before we can help others but again there's a fine line there because helping others and getting out of ourselves and getting into service can be part of our own healing So it's, there's no magic formula here, you know, it's an ongoing process of discernment, but I do believe that there does need to be a certain amount of healing of self that can happen before I can be any good to anyone else. And so it's putting my own oxygen mask on first, and then, then I can be useful to others.
0: Right. So not stopping with that, but moving on to the next step of it. And like you're saying, doing these things in a, in a way that's keeping us in balance. Um, something else that comes to mind, and this is, might sound a little odd because I feel like I'm almost shifting powers to the power of faith, but just this idea of trusting or, or knowing in faith that things are going to be okay, even if I can't see how they're going to yes. be okay. So for for me and, and people that are wired like I am, you know, being able to predict and to know how things work How things unfold, so then I know where they're going, is a fear response. And I can use wisdom to discern do I really need to know what happens at the end of step 10 when I'm on step two or whatever it might be? (laughs) You know, a picture of uh, stones on the path, you know, picture a curving stone path. I can see about five stones in front of me, but then it goes around the corner and I can't see the stones that are beyond there. I don't need to stand on the first stone and somehow figure out where the 30th one is. Right. I can start, I can put my foot on the second stone because I can see where it is. So that's moving ahead with a knowing that things are going to be okay, even if I can't see exactly how. And although that certainly is a, an expression of the power of faith, I can also kind of see how uh I'm using wisdom to discern that. You know, to realize that, to choose that if you will. Another yeah. one that comes to mind and I've and I've heard this phrase from many people and it really stuck in my head, trust the process. Yeah. Trust the process. Well, what does that mean? It it's another expression of what it kind of what I was just sharing. I don't need to figure out every detail from where I am to the outcome that I desire. I can just trust the process. If I'm making a cake and I'm, you know, starting to mix the ingredients, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen seven steps down the recipe. I've done this before. If someone figured it out, this is how it works. If you do these things in this order and you do it in the simple way, everything's going to be fine. You're going to end up with a cake. I don't need to worry about the cake as I'm mixing the batter.
1: Yeah, exactly. We have enough to deal with, with just what's right in front of us, much less getting out, you know, five, 10 steps into the future. We're not even there yet. I mean, that's a, that's a um, aspect of wisdom right there is staying in the present moment as much as possible. That's a huge piece of wisdom. You know, you were saying how you were kind of bleeding over into the power of faith. And I just wanted to clarify for folks, you know, these 12 powers, this is a construct that I guess, Fillmore mostly came up with, but it doesn't mean that the powers are discrete, you know, or completely separate from one another. I mean, there is overlap. They all relate to one another. So having faith that things will be okay in the end is an aspect of wisdom. That's a wise thing to know. And it's something that we learn uh, when we come into recovery or when we come into unity. I certainly didn't know that when I was out there. I didn't know that everything was going to be okay. I didn't, I didn't have a belief system that included the idea that there was a benevolent, loving God and that the universe was a loving place that ultimately was there for my highest and best good and my own spiritual development. That wasn't my worldview before I came into recovery and before I came into unity. So even just having that frame of mind. That one way or another, things will be okay. They may not be okay in the way that I want them to be or the way my human mind thinks is the best way. But ultimately, all things, as the Bible says, all things are working together for good. And um, when we operate from, as as our third principle in unity tells us, when we operate from that place, then that's what outpictures. If we operate from a place that the universe is a friendly Benign place that wants my highest good, then that is what will manifest in our lives and what we will see.
0: Yeah. Seek and ye shall find, (laughs) because that's what we're paying attention to. And we, you know, we could even break that down in our, our unity way of seeing the law of mind action. Whatever thoughts I'm running through my head, I'm going to get more of that. That's what I'm seeing. You know, whatever is flying around in my mind, that's what I'm going to very quickly observe in the world around me. You know, uh, thinking about balance and, of course, how important that is in in all things. I I don't know where I heard this phrase. I I have a lot of little aphorisms uh, that came to me as I considered this topic. But the phrase is, trust Allah and tie up your camel. Oh, yeah. That means balance a couple of things there, balance uh, of faith that I think that's an expression of wisdom Mm -hmm. uh, in order to recognize and to act on that balance, trust Allah and tie up your camel. It, it reminds me that um, not only do I need to, you know, we're talking a little bit about practicing self-care. How do I know when to do that? How do I know when to be of service to others? That question is, you know, a a question that the power of wisdom can help us answer, but, you know, we don't answer it once and for all. This is something, as you were saying, that this is an ongoing process. It comes up in different ways at, at different times. This reminds me of that old joke about, um, the person of faith that's, that's in a flood and a car comes by and says, you know, come on, hop in the car. We got to get out of here. The the water's going to rise. No, no, no. God's going to save me. Uh, And then the water comes up a few feet and a boat comes by, you know, come on, get in the boat with me. I'll get you out of here. No, no. God's going to save me. And the, in the final, the the person's finally on their roof because the water's risen so high and a helicopter comes by and says, you know, hop on, I'll help you out here. No, no. God's going to save me. The person dies they're at the pearly gates. God, how come you didn't save me? And God says, "Of course, oi, vey. I sent you a car. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. You know, trust Allah and tie up your camel. Uh, turn to, um, turn to your higher power. Turn to God. Turn within, and then take some action." Now, when to do each of those things, that's something that wisdom is right in the center of, you know, helping us discern. Is this a sit and pray moment or is this a, you know, uh, use my feet kind of moment? Move your feet. That West African proverb, when you pray, move your feet. Very much getting at the same concept. And so we use the power of wisdom To discern those things and then, of course, you know, make mistakes all along the way. That's how we learn. That's how anyone learns anything.
1: Yes. So trust Allah and tie your camel. Today, that would be trust God and put on a face mask and (laughs) stay the heck home for God's sake. And that's one thing that I love about unity is unity pretty much vows to never be at odds with science. You know, if we find ourselves at odds with science, then it's probably because the science is incomplete or because we're not understanding the science properly. But we typically align ourselves with science. We believe that science informs spirituality, that they are not at odds with one another. And so, a, use, a proper use of the power of wisdom is to trust the folks that are experts in certain areas and trust that they know better than us. And that doesn't mean a blind trust. And it's always good to check things out. And a certain amount of dubiousness is not maybe all bad. Um, we do need to be, you know, uh, we need to be thoughtful consumers of the information that's out there. But there's a certain point at which we um, defer to the experts in certain situations, and so um, it's the, the two things are not mutually exclusive. We can completely trust God, and we can do what you know the science is telling us to do. That's a that's a use of wisdom. So I really like that you um, gave that example. Another way that I use wisdom is to seek out the opinions and suggestions and feedback from folks that I trust and that Mm -hmm. I respect. And I have to say that's a very short list of people, especially when it comes to something really big in my life. Um, There are only a very small handful of people that I would trust with the most... um, the gravest decisions and aspects of my life. But those people I have a very long relationship with and um, I trust them. And so sometimes that wisdom, you know, doesn't necessarily present itself from within. I need to get it from without. And that's a use of wisdom also seeking out wise ones um, for counsel. And then another use of that power of wisdom would be discerning what those wise ones tell me and discerning what part of it is true for me. So it's not blindly following others' advice, but it's taking others' input as, as one more source of wisdom and then using my own discernment about whether that is the proper course of action for me or not. And that's an ongoing process that, you know, I think we're always engaged in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's wisdom in the group, you know, there's yeah. wisdom in the community and uh, if I don't know if it's ironic or not, it takes wisdom to realize that that's true yeah. and then to act uh, from that place as we move forward. Yeah, I I've, I think of those folks that you're mentioning as trusted advisors. You know, that, yeah. that, that can be a variety of things. It could be a dear relative. It, it could be a program friend we've known forever. It could be someone who's a, a sponsor in, in a recovery program. It could be a lot of things. It could be a, a clergy member that we know and we trust. Um, something that occurred to me as I thought about wisdom is that fear was always for me a reaction mm-hmm. uh, to things. And instead, so this is one of those little practical tools that I picked up somewhere along the way. Instead of saying, I'm afraid, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm afraid this might happen. Just shift the language to curiosity. I'm not afraid. I'm curious. I'm Mm -hmm. very curious to see how this is going to turn out. And that's true. I am very curious. Now, if I want to focus on the fear that I'm feeling, then I can really build that up. But when I recognize that, you know what, curiosity is in there too, why don't I uh, shift this and think of it as I'm really curious about how this is going to turn out. Or even in in a difficult situation, we can affirm and sometimes tongue in cheek, but hey, man, that works. Um, I can't wait to see the good that's going to come out of this, Mm, You know, whatever it might be. Instead of saying this is terrible, I can't believe this is happening, everything is messed up you know we're we're all going to hell in a handbag or whatever it might be i can't <laughs> wait to see the good that's going to come from this that's i'm awesome. affirming that it's there i'm acknowledging that maybe i don't see it right now maybe it can't be seen right now but it is there so i'm applying wisdom to discern that things are not always as they seem. And there's more going on than I know. So why don't I, instead of making assumptions about things going the direction that I'm afraid of, why don't I make assumptions about things going the direction that is a healing, you know, a supportive kind of direction?
1: Yes. We have a saying that we like to say at our church that's similar, but it's a little more sassy. (laughs) And that's I demand demand to see the blessing in
0: this. (laughs) I love that. Is that, that's kind of, let me talk to your manager.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that came from possibly one of the prosperity programs. I can't remember where it came from. Somebody said it and we really liked it, but it's just kind of that way of reminding ourselves that um, there will ultimately be a blessing in just about everything may not look the way we want it to, but ultimately all things are working together for good. And that's, something that we can put our faith and our trust in. So we're about out of time.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, shift our gears and shift our attention here for a moment to a question or a comment from our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. Sometimes I'm not sure if I'm being self-centered or if I'm taking care of myself. You know self-centeredness versus self-care how can i find a balance between working on myself and being in service to others
1: that is the question of the day well as i mentioned before i think that self-care is primary we cannot be of much use to others if we're not doing our own inner work and taking care of ourselves But we don't want to stay there always focused on ourselves. And also, I mentioned that sometimes getting out of ourselves is self-care, right? Like, it's not good for me to wallow at home for days in my misery. I need to get out there and help someone else, and um, that can be self-care. So it's an ongoing process of discernment. You know, in terms of, like, getting overcommitted or doing too much service— you know, we need to keep our um, self-aware of, am I getting run down? Am I getting overcommitted? Am I getting resentful of all the service I'm doing? What are my motives? Am I feeling good about the service I'm doing? Um, or have I taken on too much? And do I need to care for myself? And this is just an ongoing thing that we all um, You know, are constantly engaged in discerning what that is. I mean, we'll be doing that basically for the rest of our lives. There there does need to be ultimately a balance between caring for ourselves, doing our own inner work, and getting out there and helping others.
0: Absolutely. And that's even in the question, how can I find a balance, you know, between sort of inward facing, working on myself and outward facing, being of service to others? Yeah. And, the, you know, the short answer, of course, is is wisdom. Well, that's nice. But, how, you know, how do I do that? Well, I might choose to relax for a moment, you know, just breathe for 10 seconds. Just notice how it feels to breathe in and notice how it feels to breathe out. Just that right there can begin to shift. I might ask questions like, what have I done for other people lately? If the answer (laughs) is not much, then maybe that's what I need to do. Or, as you said before, I might ask myself, what am I avoiding? What do I feel uncomfortable about or fearful about? And is what I'm doing working to avoid that? So those are some practical tools.
1: Yeah. Well, as always, we like to leave you with an affirmation that sort of wraps up what we've been talking about here today and that you can take with you and use throughout your week. And so today, the affirmation that we offer you is this. I am divinely guided in every moment. I breathe and allow the Spirit to show me the way.
0: Once again, I am divinely guided in every moment. I breathe and allow the Spirit to show me the way. Well, we've come to the end of our time here today, and we hope that you found something to help you on your own recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion as always, and thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey.
1: Listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week.